in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Sometimes I wish we didn't, uh, that we had live accompaniment. And then there are times like this morning, I left the live accompaniment. It was live recording on purpose on that last song. I first listened to it and I thought, you know, I need to cut some of that out. And then I realized how there was a message of, prayer and consecration involved there, and God let us be a generation that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Luke chapter 14 in your Bible, if you would please. Luke chapter 14, talking about not just surviving, but thriving in this new year that we're in. We're in message number two. The price of the Christian life, last week we talked about the prosperity of the Christian life. And today I want to talk to you about the price of the Christian life. We watch our NFL teams when we can. What's with those Seahawks anyway, man? Here I'm about to adopt them as my team. And they let Green Bay beat them yesterday. Well, anyway, that's another story. We got division in the church already, I can see. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Cowboys will redeem things this afternoon, I'm sure. But we watch our NFL teams, we watch our NBA teams, other championship teams, we watch the individual sports. When they win, we're satisfied that they did the very best that they they could do. They did what we expected of them. They paid the price. We expect our ball teams, we expect our sports heroes to do their best. And we don't want any cheating, as is evidenced by the scandal in Major League Baseball with all the, the steroids and all of that sort of stuff that's going on. We want them to do their very best. But my question is, what do we expect of our own Christian lives? The average Christian runs his life on leftovers. If I have enough time left over, I'll go to church on Sunday. Or if I have enough time or, or maybe it's energy or maybe it's money, I'll do more than just go to church on Sunday. We run on leftovers. We look at the the sports hero, the whether it's the uh, the football player or the Olympic gold medalist, and we see someone who was willing to pay the price for success. And the question is: Are we willing to pay the price for success as a believer? Or are we willing to settle for a Christian life that's run on leftovers? 
In our text today in, John, in uh, Luke chapter 14, Jesus talks about some things that are needed to be successful in our Christian lives. I want to succeed in my Christian life, don't you? I want to be a successful believer. I don't want to just say I was a believer. Uh, you know, I've preached a lot of funerals over the last 30 years, and well, I've come so close to telling a lot of lies at those funerals. <laughs> because what are you going to say when you stand up before a group and they're grieving over a, a poor relative that's that's passed away and oh, you, you didn't even know them, you know? I'd get calls. I've gotten calls over the years from funeral homes that family had no church connection. I got a call once from a, from a, a funeral home that I uh, had worked with in Amarillo, Texas, that... A young boy had, his girlfriend had dumped him. He was 17 years of age. He drove out to the edge of town and blew his brains out. I didn't know anything about the kid. I didn't know anything about the family. I didn't know anything about anybody. I was just a preacher asked to come in. And, man, you stand up there and you just don't say a word other than uh, about the individual other than, He's in the hands of a merciful, loving God. And that's all you can say. I'll tell you something. When, I, when I'm laid out there and I'm through with that old body and you guys are memorializing me, I hope there's something that you can say about my life that really, you know, he was a success in his Christian life. I don't care about being bragged on because he is a pastor or, or, or any of those other things. I don't want it to be bigger than life. I don't even want it to be a stretch of the truth or the imagination to, for someone to have to be able to stand up and say, you know, this person lived for Christ. This person was a successful believer. And I would hope that's what you want as well. And I believe it is. You wouldn't be here this morning if it weren't. But we need to we need to succeed in our Christian lives. We need to do the very best we can do. And the good news is when we do our very best, it's enough. For you see, our best is giving ourselves over to him to allow him to live through us. Then we succeed every time. Guaranteed success. Luke chapter 14 Let's read, uh, <clears throat> let's read the whole passage down to the 35th verse, beginning with uh, verse 25. Luke 14, verse 25 says, Now great multitudes went with him, speaking of Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, 
does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a, a delegation and asks con- conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its, fa- its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit uh, for, uh, for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is probably some of the most difficult of Scripture to get a grasp on. If you are just a casual Bible reader and you don't really study the rest of Scripture. Jesus tells how to be a successful believer in this passage. We are, a, there, there's another place in Matthew chapter 5, he says that as believers, we are the salt of the earth. Boy, aren't you glad for salt? <laughs> I, you know, I just stop and think about it. I, I eat too much of it. But, man, salt just gives food a flavor. Sometimes it, you know, I love, I love mashed potatoes. But they are barf without salt. <laughs> I mean, they're just, you know, they're just blah. You know, I mean, you put a little salt and pepper on them, I mean, they come to life. You know what I'm talking about. As believers, we are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be a, an agent for change that is good, to give value. Jesus said if, a salt, if salt's lost its its flavor, it's not any good for anything. Period. And sometimes, we, as believers, if we have lost our flavor as the salt of the earth, we're not much good to Him. In other words, we're not succeeding in our Christian lives. Well, He tells us how to succeed. And I'll tell you, this is a very convicting message that Jesus delivers here. He he tells us the first thing, he talks about four different things in this passage, and we'll look at these verses together. And he gives us four different things that are involved in in succeeding as a believer. How to succeed, this is a how-to on, on succeeding as a believer. The first thing he talks about is in verse 26, and that is he talks about a commitment a commitment. Verse 26 again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Man, that sounds like so much contradiction that we cannot even handle that, can we? I mean, you know, I, I thought we were to honor our father and mother. I thought we were to love other people. Jesus is not telling. Let me, let's just get this out of the way to begin with. He's not contradicting Scripture here. He's not telling that you that you, you need to hate your parents or that you need to hate your wife or your husband or your kids or even yourself for that matter. But what he's doing is he's using this as, a, as a, very, a very graphic illustration of the fact that if you are not willing to forsake everything that is dear to you for him, you can't be his disciple. Key word, willing. 
You have to be willing. He's talking about a commitment here. Speaking about uh, the, 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 the willingness that we have. You know, this is a lot like Abraham. Remember Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 22 when the Lord told Abraham, take your son Isaac up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him as a burnt offering there to me. <laughs> Doesn't sound like something God would be too pleased with, human sacrifice. I mean, he's already condemned the, uh, the, the Amorites who were, uh, were guilty of sacrificing to the god Molech. I mean, they literally sacrificed their children. Uh, as living sacrifices. And God said it was detestable to him. But he tells Abraham, go up to, the, up to Mount Moriah, offer Isaac, this son that you love very much, this promised son, offer him as a burnt offering to me. Abraham, okay. <laughs> he gets the wood, he gets the knife, he gets his son. They go up to the mountaintop. Remember what Isaac asked him down on the, uh, when they fir first started to go up? I see the wood. I see the I see the fire. I, I, where's the Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? What did he say? He said God will provide. In fact, the King James says He will provide Himself. I think it's a little stretched to, uh, to say uh, that 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 word was in the original, but the truth is He did. He provided Himself as a sacrifice. God provided a sacrifice. For himself in that particular case, Abraham's up there with the knife. He's about to plunge it into Isaac. And the angel of the Lord appeared over and says, Abraham! And he stopped. <laughs> well, I'm sure he was listening for the voice of the Lord. Don't you know that? <laughs> Please say something, you know. But you know what? He looked over and there was a ram caught in the thicket. God provided the sacrifice for him. Book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham didn't have anything to worry about there. For even if he had sacrificed him, God would have raised him from the dead. For he knew God's promise. Okay, God, you want to have to raise him from the dead, I'll go ahead and kill him. Now, you know what? He wasn't probably quite that flippant. I expect he was, there was a lot of fear. and there was, but, but his faith was overcome by, or his fear was overcome by his faith. And that's what Jesus is wanting from us is a willingness. He wants us to be willing to turn from everything that is dear to us to turn to him. Commitment defined in, in the dictionary, one dictionary that I found at least, defines it as loyalty, devotion, or dedication to a cause, a person, or a relationship. Commitment. Abraham was committed. He was committed to the Lord no matter what. Jesus said, I'm just asking you for, for, for commitment. I want you to make a commitment to me. When, when we talk about this loyalty or, this, or this, this devotion or dedication to a cause or a person or a relationship, it's very clearly our relationship with God that he's talking about here. He wants a commitment from us. I would say to you that, that Christian commitment could be defined very very simply as how serious you are about the Lord. And by the way, I believe just by the very definition of the word itself, you are either committed or you aren't. You are either committed to Him 
or you aren't. Commitment, you know, there is no such thing as a partial commitment. You know, it's like, what was it, the, the, the hog and the chicken talking? And, and the, the chicken said, well, let's, uh, I'll, let's, let's furnish bacon and eggs for, the, uh, uh, for, the, for breakfast for the family in the morning. And the hog said, well, that's fine. That's a contribution for you, but that's total commitment for me. I mean, you're either committed or you're not. It's kind of like, you know, you can't be just a little bit pregnant either. You either are or you aren't. One or the other. And and commitment to the Lord. You see, many many people's commitment is tied to the circumstances that they're surrounded by. There are times when it seems like God's not around. You ever feel like that? You kind of wonder, where's the Lord? My my circumstances are difficult right now, and I don't seem to sense where that God is even here. We wonder why He allows things to come in our lives that He does. Why did God allow this to happen? We ask that, and then because we don't get an instant answer, or we have trouble understanding at the time. We want to bail out. A person with that sort of commitment, they were committed to him as long as the circumstances were okay. That's not real commitment. Jesus said we need to have total commitment. Some people's commitment isn't really commitment at all. As as long as everything's going okay, they're committed. The truth is, if we can comfortably quit If we can comfortably bail out, we're not committed. We're not really committed. We need to have the commitment to God that Abraham had that we talked about. When God asked him to give back the boy that he loved so much, his commitment did not end. He went ahead and offered Isaac. Because his commitment was not to Isaac. His commitment was not to himself. His commitment was to God. And God had told him to do something. We need to be committed to God no matter what the circumstances are in our lives. Like Abraham, we need to be willing to give up that which is dearest to us. Don't worry. I doubt that God's going to ask you to go out here and offer your child as a, as a burnt offering to him. Truth is, he knows what is dearest to most of us. It's not our children. It's not our, it's not our money. It's not our, it's not our jobs. It's ourselves. It's just self. You know, the biggest problem with sin in this world is all bound up in one word, selfishness. You just think of the sin and you just kind of stop and think about it and it's all kind of bound up in what, what selfishness has resulted in. Doesn't matter what, what, what kind of sin we're talking about. It all comes right back to the point where someone has been selfish. What God wants is the dearest thing to us and and like I said, that's, that's generally us. 
What He wants is us. He wants you. He wants all of you. He doesn't want you on Sunday. He doesn't want you on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, whichever day you choose to, uh, to, to become a part of a small group. Yeah, he wants you to be here on Sunday, and he wants you to be in those small groups, but let me tell you when he wants you. He wants you every day of the week, 24-7. For he loves you with all of his heart. He wants a relationship where you can spend time together, and, and you can draw from him, and he can enjoy the blessings of your love as well. He wants your commitment. Jesus talked about a second thing in verse 27, talking about how what, what the price of the Christian life is. It begins with it begins with a commitment. Secondly, it he talked about a cross in verse 27. He said, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. When we talk about the cross, I'd like to say something to you this morning. Jesus did not want to suffer on the cross. He didn't look forward to that at all. In fact, you read in Matthew chapter 26 where he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says he was in such, uh, such there, there was such a burden upon him about this whole issue of having to go and to suffer and to die, that he sweated, literally sweated blood. You say, I'm not sure that can happen. Well, you can talk to anybody in medicine, they can tell you that it will, and it can. He was in, in, in such turmoil. He didn't want to go to the cross, but he was willing to do what his father had, had ordained for him. The cross was a place of sacrifice. A place of sacrifice. To sacrifice means self-denial. Jesus put it this way in chapter 9 of Luke, verse 23. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. We have a cross to take up. Yes, we do. You see, the, as I said, the cross is a place of sacrifice. And sacrifice means self-denial. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We've got to be willing to give up something to serve God. Now, I know that's not real popular preaching. You don't hear that in the, uh, the seeker-sensitive uh, churches today. And I'm not here to bash churches by any means. But uh, there's one pastor who's been a, been a, a great leader in the seeker-sensitive movement, probably the founder of it, if, if truth were known, has recently come forward and said we've built huge congregations they're about an inch deep. Nobody's growing in the Lord. And he said, we made a mistake. 
because we didn't draw people to commitment to Christ himself. Uh, people are enjoying the, uh, the church services where we sing and we, have, we, 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 we worship together and we do all of this and we fellowship together, but nobody's growing. And the reason that they're not growing is there is no sacrifice being taught. Folks, sacrifice is something that the average American doesn't even understand, much less the average church member. We've got to be willing to give up something to serve God. You say, well, what are you talking about? I, simple stuff. Our time. Our faithfulness. Our habits. Our personal desire. Sacrifice does something. It separates casual Christians from committed Christians. I'm afraid there are too many casual Christians in the church today. For being a casual Christian says, I'll take everything that's free, but don't ask me to give anything. Don't ask me to sacrifice any of my time. Don't ask me to change the way I live. Don't ask me to... Uh, to to uh, have a part in an offering. Uh, don't ask me to reach out to other people. I'll take the casual stuff. I'll take the easy stuff. And I want to tell you, I hate to say it. I don't know what the I, I don't know what the percentages would be. I, there's no way you could ever tell. But I'm convinced today that the majority of church members in churches across America today are just that. They are casual Christians. I'm not here to uh, to hurt your feelings. I'm not here to be unkind. But at the same time, I'm not here to win friends and influence people. I'm here to tell you we need to be willing to sacrifice something dear to us. For Jesus sacrificed that which was dear to him. He gave his very life that you and I might have life. God the Father had to stand by and watch his only son hang on a cruel cross you think they know something about sacrifice? That God knows something about sacrifice? I'd say so when I say that he expects that very thing of us. I was talking this morning with someone before church, and we were talking about the difference uh, in, the, in, 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 in Christianity in America as we know it and Christianity on the mission field in foreign, in foreign countries, especially third world countries. Missionary kids, sometime you have an opportunity, and you will before long, have an opportunity to uh, to visit with a missionary family. And one of the things where this really comes very clear is when missionary kids have been on the field for maybe half of their lives. They may be teenagers, and they've been there for you know uh, six, eight, ten years, whatever. And maybe they were born on the field and they were there all that time and they come home and they look around at the at people in the churches in America that they visit and they are amazed at how lame Christians are in America. We stand up and say, thank you for making your way in 
through the, the, the terrible weather we had today. It was misting rain out there. What a sacrifice you made to be in the house of God. And <laughs> you know what those, it, it, it shocked me at first, but it saddened me just as much to hear those, those missionary kids say, I said, well, what are you looking forward to now that you're here in the States? Going home? Going back to the mission field? Not because they're so pious and that they oh, they want to go home and win souls to Jesus back in their field of calling. Their parents are called there. Uh, many of them are still learning about that. But they want to go back because it's real where they come from. It costs something in many places in the world to serve God. And I think that brings the next point. Jesus talked about the cost. Verse 28 through 30. Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? The cost is more than just laying a foundation some some believers lay the foundation by getting saved but they never build the tower they talk about building the tower but they never really build it when the world looks at that type of christian jesus said they look at them as if they were a fool they mock he said for verse 29 lest after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him. They count the cost to begin with. Some Christians just kind of flit around, hot and cold, never, never willing to pay the price. Oh, we get excited. We, we hear a great song on the radio, or we come to church and we sing, and God speaks to our hearts. Or maybe we hear the Word of God preached and we get excited and we go outside. Just as we get out into the parking lot, the devil's there to smack us right between the eyes. Ever happened to you? Sure it has. It's happened to all of us. Sometimes it's tough serving the Lord on Monday morning, isn't it? Why do they make Mondays anyway? <laughs> you know? We could just start on Tuesday. I think everything would probably be all right. Maybe not. You know what? I think Monday would just kind of postpone itself and we'd have it on Tuesday too. We've got to just we've got to just know that our our Christianity our Christian lives are going to cost something. And a lot of times that cost is going to is going to be how we're received in the world that we live. Believers need to stop and ask, am I willing to pay the price? You want to succeed in your Christian life, stop and ask yourself, what is the cost of the Christian life? What's going to happen? How am I going to be received in this world that I live? What's going to happen when I'm tempted to do something that I normally would have reacted in a different way? My pride, maybe what, what the cost is, a lot of different things. But once we start something, we need to finish it. 
Once we have laid the foundation, we need to follow through. You know what I've said many times? The most miserable people in the world are Christians who are out of the will of God. Christians who are not living for God. You'd think, well, I'm a Christian. I ought to be happy all the time. No, it's not the way it works. If you're a Christian, you're bound for heaven all the time. But you, some, some Christians, some believers are just having to tolerate life on earth because they are not in the will of God for their lives. It costs something to serve the Lord. We need to be willing to pay that price. This brings us to the fourth thing, talking about the price of, of the Christian life. Jesus talked about compromise. Talked about compromise. Talked about the salt that, down in verse 34 and 35, that has, has lost its flavor. That's no good anymore. It's become like everything that is around it. You see, Christians, the church, if you wish, if you want to put this in a little bit more, maybe not such a, a pointed thing, Let's just say the church, but you know who the church is, don't you? That's us. The church is full of the world today because of one thing, compromise. Compromise. We compromise our commitment to Christ and, and to his principles. Now, we live in a world today that says we, we should be tolerant of others. We should be tolerant of everything. After all, we need to... And I want to tell you, there's a difference in being tolerant and, there's, and, and standing for something that is, that is right. That song, that first song we sang, the Lord has drawn a line in the sand. Let's stand on the right side of that line. Amen. Amen. Let's stand with him. Let the worshipers arise. Let's stand with God today. Let's not be willing to compromise with this world. We always suffer when we compromise with the world. We always do. Folks, I want to, I want to say something to you today. If something is right, to, if it was right 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, it's still right. Right is right. Now, let's don't confuse what is right and what is our preference. A lot of times we, we have things that we prefer. There are things that I prefer that I'm really not comfortable with. It doesn't mean they're wrong, uh, they're, that the things that I'm not comfortable with, uh, that, that they're wrong. It just means I don't prefer them. But if something is right, if it's in this book, if the scriptures teach it very clearly, it's still right to do. And if, if living a life which is not compromised with this world, it says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stand for Christ. By the way, that doesn't mean I'm going to be obnoxious for Jesus. Okay? <laughs> Some Christians seem to th think that that's what it means. And in fact, most most people who aren't Christians think that that's what we are because some of us are. 
it's sad. It really is. The world ought to see us as people who love them and care about them, not as people who are standing here with our 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 20-pound Bible wanting to beat them over the head with it to try to get them into the kingdom of God. They don't understand that. And certainly not looking down our long, pointy noses at them, saying, I'm sure wish you was as good as me. <laughs> it's a good thing they aren't as good as most of us because they wouldn't be as good as they are already. You see, the only thing that's different between us and them is the grace of God and the forgiveness that God has given us. Little bumper sticker, you've seen it. Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. That's it. But we need uh, to be willing to stand for what is right. What the Lord wants is Christians who are willing to pay the price, not willing to compromise with the, with the world, with the devil, in, in no way. Well, what does it make? Or what does it take to make a successful, victorious Christian life? It, it takes people, and I just want to close with this thought. It takes people like the Apostle Paul, man who wrote more of the Scripture than any other man. It takes people who have the same attitude toward life, people who live with the same values, that the Apostle Paul had. The Apostle Paul. They let him out of his cell in a Roman prison. They took him to a, a large wooden platform. Now, they didn't lead him out there to honor him. But they wanted to introduce him to a guillotine. They told him, we're going to execute you. Is there anything you'd like to say? Being the good Baptist preacher that he was, he said yes. And here's what he said. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. I believe he said I didn't quit when times got tough. I didn't stop just because I realized how big the job was that God had called me to do. I was faithful. I counted the cost. I made a commitment. I carried my cross. I didn't compromise with the world or the devil. did say henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day not to me only but all unto all them that love his appearing I hope someday to be able to repeat those words and I hope that you can as well but to be able to repeat the words of Paul, we're going to have to finish the course. Don't quit. We're going to have to keep the faith. Be faithful to what we're supposed to. And my question to you today is, 
Where do you stand? Where do you stand? Don't worry about the person next to you or the person across the room or someone else in your family or that you work with. Think about you. I want us to stop this morning and look into our own hearts and say, where do I stand? Bow your heads with me, please. Are you willing to quit? Are you faithful? Are you willing to be where you're, you're supposed to be? Are you guilty of compromising your Christian testimony because of the pressures and the lusts of this world? I guess the bottom line is this. I'm asking you, are you willing to pay the price to be a successful Christian? The message this morning has been to believers. And let me just, let me just encourage you here this morning. If you found yourself low on a commitment scale as a believer... Or not counting the cost, not willing to take up your cross and follow him, maybe even compromising a little bit with the world and the, and the devil's crowd. Let me tell you, God is calling you home right now. He's saying, why don't you just draw a line in the sand? Let's, let's get on the right side. I want to tell you, when you do, you're on the winning side. Oh yeah, as a believer, you're going to heaven, but you can have the most glorious life right now. You'll just give your heart new and afresh to him as if you'd never done it before. You just say to the Lord, I'm signing up. I want to be part of the I want to be part of the whole program of God. I want to I want to stand for you. I want my life to count for something more than what I can make it by myself. I don't know where you are in this whole scheme of things, but I just challenge you this morning. Pay the price to be a successful Christian. As I said, this message this morning has been largely to believers. Let me say something to you. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, if you're not a believer, I want, I want you to know I, God would like to draw you to a commitment to something bigger and better than you have ever dreamed. Don't be satisfied to live your life as you can deliver it. You know, the amazing thing to me is we give ourselves to Him. He gives, he gives us back everything we've given Him plus some. Oh, it's a glorious thing. And not just blessings here on earth, but blessings for eternity. For, you see, Jesus is our only ticket to heaven. You can't live good enough to get there. You can't join the right church in order to get there. You can't give enough money that will get you in there. There's one thing you can do. You can humble yourself before the Lord. You can admit to Him that you're a sinner. You failed him. 
and ask Him to forgive you and accept His Son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior. He'll save your soul and you'll be on your way. But it'll never happen until you do that. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe there's someone here this morning who's never prayed truly to receive Christ as their Savior. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you this morning if you'll just pray with me and pray silently from your heart to God's and he'll hear it. But you pray this and make this prayer yours and I promise you by the authority of the scripture that you'll become God's child and you'll be on your way to heaven and you'll be on your way to victory in this life today. Just pray with me, dear God. I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins so I wouldn't have to. So I accept him as my Savior, my substitute, the one who's saving me. And I invite him into my life. I give you my heart and I give you my life today. In his name I pray. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Some of us as believers this morning need to pray that God would help us to be willing to pay the price for that successful Christian life. Lord, this morning, I'm not asking for a show of hands, for I know, Lord, there's not a person in this room who does not need to raise their hand, including this pastor, to say, God, help me pay the price that you've called me to pay to take up my cross daily to deny myself and to follow you God help me to do that help every individual here to do that that we can be true disciples of Christ for he has set the pattern for us God thank you for loving us so much the way you do and thank you for allowing us to have the sweet victory of the Christian life because of you and no other reason. Our willingness to give up what is ours and your willingness to give, give back everything that we give you plus some. Lord, we praise you for that and we love you and we thank you for loving us. Now bless us as we prepare to go into this world this week. Help us, dear Father, to count for you to step across that line that you've drawn in the sand that we would be counted as believers for you we'll give you glory for it all in Jesus name Amen